the, the person speaking is one of the guys who's been with us since before the church ever launched. And every Sunday morning that he's, he, he's been in town, he's been here serving and working in the church. On days where he wasn't scheduled, he just shows up. I mean, he's a guy that if there's a toilet that's dirty, he's going to clean it because he wants this place to be ready for anyone who, who comes into Gulfside Church. If he sees a picture that's slanted, he's going to straighten it. If he sees something that needs to be done, he does it. And that's been his heart. And so it's easy for me to take someone like that and say, okay, yes, I trust you to be able to come up front and share from the word of God because I've seen humility at work in his life. And I've seen a heartbeat to serve, not a heartbeat to be seen in his life. And so it's easy for me to bring him up here. And I want to tell you, he's worked hard in preparation for the delivery of this message. And I'm excited for him to get to do it because I believe that God is going to encourage some of your hearts today. But I want to make sure, you know, I'm not speaking, so I'm allowed to say this. But this still rings true other times. But when he tells a joke, you laugh. Yeah, that's right. You're already practicing laughing. That's great. When he makes a good point that's true respond to him. Say amen. Let the people around you know that you believe that too. Let Andrew know that you're on board with where he's going. Encourage him as he speaks because we're not an audience. We're a congregation. We're a church. We're here to lift up the name of Jesus Christ together and that doesn't happen in silence that often but it needs expression and so don't be afraid to encourage Andrew as he teaches today but because of his preparation and because of this opportunity for him to bring the word let's welcome him in the right way. Let's stand up and welcome Andrew as he comes to deliver the word today. Come on, Andrew. All right. Thank you guys so much. Um, I am overly excited to be here this morning, um, to be up on stage here. And I told, I might have told one or two, well, to start off, we're, we're still going through a sermon series talking about getting to know Jesus better. And today we are diving into uh, John, John 3.16. Um, so we, the goal of today is to get to know God's character better than, and know it better than when we came here this morning. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to be up here speaking today. And most of you probably don't know this, but I was actually supposed to give this message a few months ago, I think it was in December, and um, I woke up that morning, Paul's out of town, and I was super excited, but as soon as I woke up that morning, my stomach just didn't feel good. And I was like, okay, this is, this is fine. It's just nerves. I can work through this. Um, so I got ready, got in the car, got in the car, came to church, went into that back room. Um, I didn't do anything because I didn't want to force anything because I was like, all right, this something's wrong. Um, and I got back in the room, and it just progressively got worse. I, I, I was praying to God, please take this from me, um, but it, it never actually happened. So I, I texted Paul, and I told him, hey, something's wrong. My stomach does not feel good. I feel sick. This is not good. Do, you, do we have a plan B? And he said, no, you're, we're good. You're going to be able to work through this. <laughs> it's going to be okay. So um, I told him that, and he had a bunch of people praying for me, me in Indiana. I was like, okay, cool. This is going to work out. It's going to be good. But a little while later, it did not work out so well. And next thing I knew, here comes glitter and pixie dust um, <laughs> coming out. And it was not fun. I'm not allowed to say vomit on stage. So <laughs> glitter and pixie dust replaces that well. Um, so glitter and pixie dust, it, it happened. But still something in me was like, okay, that was volunteer service. I can still do 
regular service. I can, I can uh, do the message during regular church. So I was trying to calm myself down. I was like, okay, might've, might've just been once. But sure enough, a little while later, more glitter and pixie dust. And then afterwards, I put on an imaginary hood because I didn't actually have one. And I just kind of snuck out the back door, ran to my car, and I got in the car, went home, and just put a pillow over my head the rest of the day, and I was done. Um, and honestly, I was, I was pretty frustrated that that had happened because I had spent weeks uh, with Paul preparing to get ready for this message that was coming up. Um, but in praying about it, I felt like God, God told me, uh, this is a good message, just not for that time. And as I was preparing and getting ready for the message this time, I really felt God speaking to me saying, hey, this, this, message, this message is going to touch someone's heart today. And it was meant f- to be told on this date. So you guys watch out. God's coming for somebody. <laughs> so I'm super excited to be able to give this message today. Um, but first, to start off, we need a volunteer. I asked Margaret, and she said she can come up. So <clears throat> thank you so much, Margaret. <laughs> so up here we have a box. It's a nice, pretty polka dot box. There's nothing, nothing really scary about it. So Margaret, all I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to have you reach in. Okay. Um, but before, before I ask you to reach in, do you have any weird allergies, like any, any allergies to spiders or rattlesnakes? Or, well, I mean, we took the venom out, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't really be an allergy to the venom, but are you, are you allergic to anything like that? No? You sure? Is she allergic to anything, Mom? No? Okay. All right, so go ahead. I'm going to have you reach in. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Um, so reach in there if, if you're comfortable and <laughs> show me what you pull out. <laughs> it's okay. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Margaret. I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so a pretty flower, but also if... If she spent a little more time in the box, she would have found something else. I promise it's in here. I just have to find it. Woo! There it is. If she spent a little more time in the box, she would have found that I had something else hidden deep in there of a Benjamin, pretty fresh. So I'm going to, yeah, that, that was also in the box. So the box had more to offer than, than we even realized, but... The box, like I said, it's a pretty polka dot box. There's nothing intimidating about it. But as soon as I mention snakes or spiders, there was a noticeable hesitation when Margaret was going to reach into the box. And as soon as she heard the snake that was in there, how, how'd that happen? That, that was weird. But as, as soon as she heard the snake in the box, it was more hesitation. She, she didn't want to reach in. But actually, what was inside the box was nothing harmful as a flower, and, and actually some money that you might have been able to keep. You never know. But so the, what we think about the box changes the way that we interacted with the box. If I'm afraid of the box, I'm going to be hesit- hesitant to reach in. If I know there's good things inside the box, I'm just going to reach right in and grab the good things. It's the same thing uh, when we think about God. What I think about God is going to change the way that I interact with God. If I'm afraid of God and I think he's an angry God and I think he's going to judge and condemn me all the time, then it's going to change the way I interact with him. I'm going to be more hesitant to kind of step in, uh, step into what he's calling me to do. So we have this quote that's going to come up on screen in a little bit. It's from A.W. Tozer and a couple other guys 
um, Mark Batterson, Francis Chan, and Louis Giglio, they all use this quote in some of their, their great books that they have written. But it's going to come up on screen. The quote is, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So if I think, if I think God is an angry God, and he's, he has, he's just angry at me all the time, I'm going to be more afraid of him. Um, like I said, I'm going to be hesitant to live out what he's calling me to do. But if I know that he is a loving God who has an unconditional love, self, an unconditional self-sacrificing and love, and he's merciful and gracious, then it's going to be much easier for me to follow what he's calling me to do. I'm going to be less hesitant to live out the calling he's called me to do. The truth about God is that he is a big God who has this crazy, unconditional, self-sacrificing love for us that we can't comprehend. There's nothing, the words can't hold uh, that type of love. They just can't describe it. But I want to dive into scripture and so we can really read about this kind of love. And my encouragement to you guys today as we dive into this scripture is to hear it with, a, a, with open ears and an open heart because it's a scripture I think a lot of us have heard before. Um, and it, it is found in John. And a little quick context of the scripture. In John 3, it starts off with Nicodemus, who is a ruler and a Pharisee of the Jewish people in that time. He comes to Jesus and he's asking him questions about the kingdom of God. But he is unable to understand the answers that Jesus gives him because he's, um, he has an earthly perspective. Jesus is answering from in heaven, for, with heavenly answers, but he can't understand because he has an earthly perspective. So the scripture is going to come up. It's John 3.16. If you're following along in your Bibles, it'll be up there though. Um, and the scripture is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And my first point comes straight out of the very beginning of it. My first point is God so loves you. He doesn't just love you a little bit. God so loves you in this big extravagant way that it's so hard to comprehend, but we can accept it. The creator of the heavens, of the universe, of beautiful sunsets on the beach, fall foliage, uh, Mount Everest, of the, the creator of the universe, everything is here because of him. He so loves you in a crazy way that, like I said, we can't comprehend it. Out of everything in creation, he cherishes you and me more than everything else that he's created because he he just so loves you guys and so loves me. Think about it this way. Think about the thing that you love most in this world. If we're honest, it's probably our dog or our cat or our car probably one of those things, or it might be your family, your wife, your husband, one of, any of those things. But just think about that, and then keep that in your mind, but then understand that that level of love doesn't even touch the way that God so loves us. It's the, the most pure earthly love just doesn't compare to how our Heavenly Father loves us. If there's anything you get out of this message today, that's that's what I want you to take out more than anything else. John, 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we could be called children of God. So as soon as we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and, understand, and believe that he died on the cross for our sins, we are adopted into his eternal family. And the, what, what, 
when I hear that, I imagine him just giving me a big bear hug, just holding me tight and saying, I'm never letting you go. I don't care what you do. I'm not letting go. There's nothing you could do to make me let go. You weren't mine, but now you're mine forever. And in Zephaniah 3, the Bible talks about how God exalts over us with dancing and loud singing. And that, that's, just, that's an incredible thing for me to think about. And I wanted to kind of paint a picture for you guys. And we have a little vi- a video that's going to come up. That's fantastic. Does, are any parents guilty of, of that, of uh, totally humiliating your kids at graduation, at baseball games, at any sporting event, anything like that? I saw a hand, a couple hands. Yes. So my mom is, my mom uh, back in Virginia, that's my, my mother-in-law, not my stepmom, my mother-in-law, my mom back in Virginia, whenever we would have softball games, um, both uh, my brothers and myself, she would be on the, on the side of the fence and every time we would run the bases, she would, she would stand up and go, yes, go, go. And she was our biggest fan, just cheering us on all the time. And I, as soon as I thought about that, that's, that was my first thought. But that's, that's, I've never doubted the love of my mom because she showed me in that way, amongst many other ways, that she loved me so much. Um, also, we could think about parents who have just had babies. We all know someone at some point who just had a baby and their Facebook feeds are full of pictures and videos of first smiles of snot boogers or uh, booger bubbles or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> full, of, full of all these things, first steps. But then there's some, some people who also post weird things like changing the first poopy diaper. He did such a good job. And it's like, I don't understand that. It's disgusting. But you're never going to be applauded again for a poopy diaper. I promise you. Don't poop your pants. It's not... <laughs> Not a pleasant thing, Um, but also my wife had, she has a friend who just the other day showed her a video. It was her baby doing something very cute, but then all of a sudden she starts spitting up glitter and pixie dust again because I'm still not allowed to say vomit, but she's, (laughs) but then she, she thought it was the most hilarious video because she's her mom and she so loves this girl um, that even vomiting is, is cute to her. So just think about it. If we can love our children at, to this crazy level, just think about how much our Heavenly Father really loves us through the crazy, ridiculous things that we do when we stray away from Him. But unfortunately, a lot of us have a skewed perception of what God's love is or what it looks like. And this could be because um, relationships that, earthly relationships that have been broken, whether that's a uh, broken relationship with our earthly father, other family members, friends, uh, past churches, any of those broken relationships where you can look at it and say, well, these people loved me, but I got hurt at the end. These people said they cared for me, and now I'm coming away wounded. But that is not an accurate picture 
of the level of love that God has for us. The, the accurate picture of how God loves us is the theme verse. It's not going to come up this time. But for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that we, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That is what an accurate picture of what God's love looks like for us, not any broken relationships that we've experienced on earth. But I also want to deal with the fact that you might realize he loves you, but some of you think, man, I've, I've just done too much, I've strayed too far, and like he, he can't possibly love me through the mistakes that I've made. I want to speak to you guys through this point. We're going to go back to the theme verse again. It's going to come up on screen. <clears throat> For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So we're going to focus on the world piece for this part. And that's where my next point uh, comes from. But um, so in scripture, the world means people who are currently far from God or um, the people who don't have it together. So my point for this is God loves the person who is far away from him. God loves the person who is far away from him. If we don't understand God's character, if, if, I don't, if I don't understand God's character and I think he's a God of anger, and I feel, if I think he's just going to judge and condemn me, if I turn back to him, then I'm going to be very hesitant to actually turn back and repent. Repent just means turn back. Um, I'm going to be very hesitant to turn back to him and ask for forgiveness. <clears throat> a good example of, of this type of person in the Bible is, is the prodigal son, which could be found in Luke the Gospel of Luke, and we're, we're going to dive into that today. So the, it's, it's not going to pull up though. Um, so in the prodigal son, it starts off with a dad and two sons. The younger son goes up to his dad, says, hey, yo, pops, I want my inheritance. And by doing that, he's basically saying, I wish you were dead so that I could get what's coming to me after you die. So the appropriate response of the father in that Middle Eastern culture and time would be for him to say, you know, boy, you're about to get something. You're going to get something, but it ain't an inheritance. And then beat his son into submission and then kick some dirt on him and then say, your inheritance is gone. That would have been the appropriate response of a father during that time. But instead of that, he, he looks at his son and he says, okay, all right, here's your inheritance. I'll give it to you. So he gives him the inheritance the son takes off and uh, not very long, or he takes off and he's, he's going to Vegas. He's partying hard. He's, he's squandering all his money away with drinking, drugs, prostitution, what, whatever you could imagine. He's, he's squandering his money away by doing those things. Once all his money is gone, which happened pretty quickly, he, a famine struck that country. And so now he's poor. He was hungry, but now there's not even food for him to eat. Um, so he has to take a, the low of the low job that he could, pot, he, he could find. And that job was uh, feeding pigs. So he, he got to the desperation point where he wanted to eat the pig slop that the pigs were also eating. And one, that's just disgusting because it's pig slop. And two, could you imagine the backwash coming out of the pigs' mouths? That's, I mean, that's just disgusting. Aspen would freak out. She would not like that at all. But that's, it, that's a level of desperation that I can't imagine. 
But in that moment, he, real, he remembers and realizes that even his father's paid servants back home had food to eat. They had, they had uh, lunch, dinner, and they were well taken care of. So he starts this plan of, all right, well, I'm just going to go back home and plead to my father to let me come back, not as a son, but as a hired servant. So he starts his journey back, and he's repeating this whole thing in his head. He's going to say, God, I've, I've, or, Father, I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please let me work as a hired servant. And so he, he's rehearsing this whole thing. And the father is standing at the front of the village, waiting for, like, hoping that his son shows up. And his son shows up. And while he was still a long way off, it says he, he, he ran out to him. So again, going back into that time and culture, this father, a very dignified man, they didn't rush. They took their time. They were calm, composed. They were just, that's what they did. And that's, how, that's part of the reason how they were respected. But this father, he doesn't care about those things. He picks up his toga and he starts sprinting across, going out for his son. But the one thing um, to think about is he's picking up his toga. He, every step, he's flashing everybody. And he is, this father is humiliating himself, making himself look like a fool because his son has returned and he so loves him and he can't wait to see him. He has to run. He can't walk. So the, he gets to his son. He ignores everything the son is trying to say to him and he starts kissing him. He gets him a ring, puts it on his finger, uh, restores his status as his son. He gets him a robe, shoes, and kills the fattened calf because they're going to have a party. They're going to have an all-out party. And guys, this, this is an accurate picture of what God's love looks like for us. This is, when, when you think of God's love, I want you to think of a God that would humiliate himself again and again to, to, go, get his, to go get his son or his daughter. That's an accurate picture of what God's love looks like for us. He's not angry with his son. He is just overly excited that his son that he loves so much has finally come home. <clears throat> and the other thing to think about is when he when the, says the father was standing at the front of the village, he wasn't just at a, he wasn't off for a stroll. He was going back to that same spot day after day after day, hoping that at one point his son might come back and he might see him off in the distance. Romans 5.10 says, and that's going to come up on the screen, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. While we were God's enemies, while we were far away from him. So going back to the point, God loves the person who is far away from him. While we were his enemies, he sent his only son to earth to live a perfect life and die on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could spend eternity in heaven with him forever and ever. Because he so loves us. He has this crazy level of love for us. God didn't send Jesus to the world to condemn us for the mistakes we've made. He sent Jesus to the earth in which he loves so much that he could save us through him. And in Luke 19.10, it says, Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. Again, going back to the point, God loves the person who is far away from him. You could also say that those people are lost. So Jesus came to seek and save those people. He didn't come to seek and save the people who are righteous. He came to seek and save the people who are lost. <clears throat> so this piece of salvation, some of us have a skewed perception of it as well, that it, we have to work at it to, to be saved. 
that there's a lot of work on our, our part involved. In the story of the prodigal son, all the son had to do was turn back. He turned back and it says he, uh, he, it says he repented. And that's all he had to do. And then the father sprinted out towards him. And that's all we have to do with, with Jesus as well. We have to turn back. It doesn't take, we don't have to say, oh, well, I'm going to wait a year and then to, to fix my life and then I'm going to come to Jesus. It doesn't work that way. It's God wants you to turn back where you are. You don't have to fix yourself before you turn around and come back to Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, nor a result of works, so that no man may boast. It's not by works that we're saved. It's by faith and faith alone. We're going to have the theme verse come up again. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever could keep it together at all times should not perish but have eternal life. (laughs) That's not what it says. (laughs) Not at all. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I want to get us away from the point where it's, where it's like, oh, I've, I've made these mistakes, and I have to fix my life before I turn to Jesus and come back to him. That's not the right order of things. All it is, is we have to turn back and repent, and then Jesus is going to, or God's going to come running to us. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes but you're going to be perfectly loved by a heavenly Father who so loves you. He so loves you. Which brings me to my next point. God loves the child who has strayed. Again, you might identify with the prodigal son thinking, I've messed up too much. The prodigal son said, when he, when he was thinking about what he was going to say, he was going to tell his father, I'm not worthy to be called your son, but hire me back as a servant. You haven't messed up too much to be called a child of God. You haven't strayed too far away for that truth or for that to be true. Don't give your mistakes more power than God's love. God's love is stronger than every mistake that you could possibly make. Just like the prodigal son, he told his father basically that he wanted him dead, but the the father didn't care because he so loved his child. God says your value is based on the image that he has written on your heart, not not your ability to perform. Again, it's not by works. It is solely by faith and faith alone. And the image that he has written on our heart is child. It's son or it's daughter. It is, that's, that's what decides the value. That's how God looks at us in value. Um, but I want to do another illustration here. So I have this $100 bill. It was fresh for first service, I promise. Now it's a little wrinkly. But so if I held this up to you guys, it's a $100 bill. How much, how much would you say that this bill is worth? If I held it up to you. Yeah, you can talk to me. It's okay. How, $100, exactly. What if I fold it up and just make it all creased and I make it, non-perfect or imperfect anymore. How much is it worth now? If I do that. Exactly. It's still worth $100. But what if I fold it up, throw it on the ground, kick it around, play soccer with it, stomp on it, kick it through the dirt? How much is the $100 bill worth now? 
Exactly. It's still worth $100, no matter how much I wrinkle up this bill or how dirty it gets. Its value never changes. In the same way, no matter how dirty you are, no matter how many flaws you have, you can never change in God's eyes. Once you're a child of God, there's nothing that can take that status away from you. $100 is worth $100 because of the image it bears, not because of what it's done. <clears throat> Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Not according to the works that we've done. It's according to the riches of his grace. There is now, no, Romans 8.1 says it this way, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're not strong enough to rob God of his possession. He's holding on tight. Once you're a child of God, he's holding on tight and he is not letting go. He doesn't care what you've done or how far you've strayed. He is not letting go. You're always his child because he so loves you guys. You will not perish because of your mistakes, but Christ's work on the cross is enough. His love for you is unconditional. And at this time, I'm going to ask the band to come back up to the stage. But remember, remember how the earthly parents who so love their children celebrate their, their, uh, their, their child's accomplishments when they do something good. Remember that awesome video? Then think about in Zephaniah 3 again where it says that God rejoices us uh, with singing and with loud singing and dancing. I want you guys to keep that image in your mind. Just like the prodigal son turned around and came home. Scripture tells us that there is rejoicing every time a child turns back. Every time a child turns back towards their heavenly father, away from their sinful ways. <clears throat> the theme verse is going to come back up one more time. <clears throat> it's John 3.16 again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The part I want to focus on for this is believes. So in order, or we have an opportunity and an invitation from God. If we don't currently, currently believe, we have an invitation from God to believe today. But it's not something that's just going to happen. We have to make the decision to believe in God. It's not something he can do for us, but we have to turn, repent, and turn towards him. Romans 10.9 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that, he is, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what I think about God greatly determines how I'm going to inter interact with him. Now, if, now that we know that God's character or God's character. He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of peace. But the main thing I want you to focus on is he's a God of unconditional love. And he so loves you guys. And there's um, nothing that could change that, uh, that, that truth. So I want to ask you guys, where do you feel like your heart is in that? Do you feel like you can accept that love? Or do you feel like there's something blocking you? There's something in the way of saying, yes, God, I believe that you sent your, your son to die on the cross, that we could spend an eternity in heaven with you. If there's something blocking that, I encourage you guys,
push it out of the way. Push it out of the way and turn back to Jesus. And he is waiting to run to you and to embrace you, give you a big hug, kiss you on the cheek, and call you his child. So don't continue like you have, don't continue living like you have no worth. Because God so loved you to the point that your worth, that, well, your worth is, um, <clears throat> he sent Jesus to die on the cross because you were worth that sacrifice. Because he's a heavenly father and he just loves you that much. I want to pray for us as we close out. Jesus, thank you for this truth that, that you love us so much. You have the so loves for us and there's nothing that you cherish more in the world than us. God, thank you. Thank you for always embracing us. No matter what mistakes we have made, no matter how far we feel like we've strayed, your promise stands true that all we have to do is turn back and repent and you will come embrace us in your arms and call us your child. God, we love you and we praise you. We lift up your holy name. Amen. Amen. It's a good word, church. It's a good word. Thank you, Andrew. Our, our mission statement is Gulfside Church exists to help people know God find community, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And so we are practically investing in young leaders. We are trying to help each person in our church discover their gifts and use those gifts to make a difference in our city.